This is a very pink wine. It's pretty. I love the color. It reminds me of the Underwood. Yeah, it reminds me of My Little Pony. <laughs> I guess I should probably not drink it just out of the can if we're going to do like colors. <laughs> yeah, get the glass. Come on, Anne. Don't be, be an animal. Be classy. <laughs> Welcome to Two Girls and a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine, one bottle, or can at a time. I'm Anne, and I'm currently working my way through all the smuttiest romance books of the summer. And I'm Drea, and hmm, I've had a fucking week. (laughs) But it's about to get a lot better. We have a very special guest joining us for today's episode because... We're featuring some wines that are right up her alley. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages and gender preferences, it's my mom, Rose Dominguez. Say hi, mom. Hi, everybody. Stop making out with the microphone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just You're doing sure. great, Rose. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. Let's get into our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Um... I can kick us off this week. So I would like to cheers to the city of Philadelphia. Um, I visited there for the first time last weekend for a bachelorette party and had an amazing time. Who knew? Philadelphia, a lovely city full of history. Um, I really especially enjoyed uh, a vegan restaurant that I tried out called Charlie Was a Sinner, where I had a meal and some cocktails that I will remember for a very, very long time. And I also want I also want to congratulate Danny, who was the reason for the celebration. Congratulations on your upcoming wedding. It was so great to get to drink wine with her and her many wonderful friends. Awesome. Congrats, Danny. And for my jeers this week, I mean, it kind of has to be Jeff Bezos, right? I mean, who takes trillions of dollars and decides to go like 15 seconds into space? Compensating for something, Jeff? Yeah, could it be Jeff? 15 (laughs) seconds, Jeff? (laughs) I bet. No wonder she divorced you. I mean, amongst other reasons. <laughs> so what about you, Drea? What are you cheersing and jeersing this week? So uh, I am cheersing Palm Springs, where I will be sunning myself, sipping on some cocktails that are ferried over to me, reading complete and other garbage, and generally not giving a shit by about, yep, this time tomorrow. So... Um, cheers to Palm Springs. Cheers to me. I need a few days off real bad. <laughs> and my jeers this week. Oh, one, my job. My, my job just needs to like not be around for a few. I mean, today, yesterday, the day before that, the day before that, I was like, could I just start over? Could I just move to a new city with a new name? And I don't know, work at a bookstore or something. It's the reoccurring dream. I'm. It's also giving me enough anxiety that I fully had a nightmare that I was at my high school prom again. So you know, we're so just good. we're just getting some deep cuts. Um, but uh, my other jeers that and the real jeers is 
And I know I just said I was going to Palm Springs, and I guess that technically makes me a tourist, but the thing about Californians you should know is, like, we literally think we own the entire state, so it does not matter. But, um, so, jeers to tourists. Go home. Go home. Go home. Go home. Put on a mask. Get your vaccine. But also just go home. <laughs> so that's that's the point of the summer that I'm at yes. here in sunny, sunny San Diego. Yes. <laughs> Um, sounds like you are very much in need of a vacation. I've yes. been very pleasant this week. <laughs> and uh, I told mom she had to play along. So, mom, what are your cheers and jeers? My cheers is to summer and being able to take our mini family little vacays. We really, really have enjoyed those. But my jeers is this hot weather and the humidity and it sucks. And also along with that, yep. And also along with that is people, you need to get vaccinated. So those are my jeers. Yeah, you're making the hot weather suck more. (laughs) Definitely. So those are my, that's my cheers and jeers. Love it. All very summery cheers and jeers this week. Both the good and the bad of summer. We decided to mix it up a bit and torture our guest (laughs) so my mom's name is rose and we also happen to be drinking some lovely unique rosés this episode so Anne came up with the i really think it's a completely brilliant idea uh to have a little rose rosé quiz and so we're calling this a rose zay by any other name And the object of the game is Anne is going to give you some names and you have to decide if it is a rose, a variety of rose as in the flower, your namesake, you budding rose you, or a wine that is the name of a particular rosé. And we're going to we're going to see how much you can tell just from the name. So Anne, what do you what do you have for us today? What's in the quiz? These Anne, are great by the way. Anne, I just want to remind you that I really really love you, okay? <laughs> okay. So our first uh rose or rosé, who can say, uh is called Burgundy Iceberg. Do you think this is a flower or a wine? I believe it is a rosé. A wine. A wine. Sorry. Eh, wrong, girl. Burgundy iceberg is a type of rose. Oh. It's the flower. It is a very beautiful, dark rose. Um, it's really actually quite lovely, um, but definitely not a, a rosé wine. Okay. So our next name is... Whispering Angel. A wine? You are correct. Woo-hoo! Yay for me. I didn't sense a lot of confidence in that answer. 50-50 shots here. Yeah, 50. Yeah, you're doing great. All right. Next. next. Our next name is Pink Flamingo. I love flamingos just as a sidebar. A wine. Correct. Uh-oh, uh-oh. She's gaining some confidence. She's doing gaining it. Some She's momentum. doing it. She's doing it. Oh, my God. All right. Question number four. Cream veranda. A rose, like in the flower. You are correct. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not getting the humiliation I wanted out of this. 
Well, we're and, enjoying ourselves. Okay. Oh, well, good for you too. <laughs> all right. And our final question. For all the money, Zephrine Duhron. One more time. I'd like to buy a vowel, please. Yes. <laughs> Zephrine Duron. I'm going to say a fancy wine. Drea. Eh, it's a flower. flower. Or also, we've decided the name of Anne's firstborn child. Because oh, <laughs> it does sound fancy it, as fuck. Very yeah. fancy, yes. <laughs> Regardless of gender. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Gen- <laughs> gender's whatever you want it to be. It's a social construction. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so you, you did all right. Three out of five. Three out of five. It's not bad. I That's think it. Rose really knows her, her roses and her rosés. Yeah, I think you're a solid C student. Those are my favorite, by the way. Well, you know, I wasn't a teacher for 40 years for nothing, okay? Did you teach your kids about wine? Not per se. Oh, well. <laughs> also, I've been to some of those teacher parties, okay? It's like two black wow, trucks central yeah, in there. Yeah, that is true. That like, is if true. you can't find it at Costco, it ain't showing up. Hey, if you have to buy your own supplies. That's true. I would be like, mm, this like 30 bottle of Pinot or like crayons for the kids. And I'd be like, the kids don't need crayons. It's fine. Kids always need crayons. (laughs) They're just going to eat them. Whatever. It's fine. No, they break them and throw them at each other. Okay. That see, that's why they don't need fucking crayons. (laughs) You got to make a weapon somehow. If you whittle a crayon, does that become a shank or a shiv? Does anybody know? (laughs) Hi friends. And from the future here with a message from Drea from the future. So full disclosure, everybody, uh, when we recorded our episode, I had come off of one of the worst weeks ever, including a bunch of morons at work, a three-day migraine, and just a bunch of stuff. Uh, so also, I'm pretty sure that the Terminator movie is literally taking place in my house with all my electronics. So it's, it's been a week. Um, but I'm also a jackass. So the asshole, remember I made that hilarious joke about who's the asshole now, asshole? This hasn't happened yet. Well, apparently I'm the asshole because at 2 a.m. after we recorded, I had the revelation that it's not us ho, it's a so. So, who's the asshole now, asshole? Uh, so, it is a so. When you hear us dumbly call it us ho and chuckle like we're back in third grade throughout the rest of the episode, um, just know that I'm the one who fuck that up. So, uh, nothing like some comic relief for you though. Uh, enjoy. So for this episode, we are sampling a couple of canned wines. So as many of you probably know, canned wines have really gained a lot of traction, especially during the pandemic. There's a huge variety out there now. So we decided to tackle a couple of our current favorites. So Anne chose one and I chose one. Anne's pick is Underwood Sparkling Rosé. 
And my pick is the Ashos, oh my God, Osso Sparkling Rosé. So they're both, they're both fizzy, they're both rosés, um, and they're both in a can. And honestly, like, that's the reason we selected it. It's summertime. It is a time of picnics and beach parties and hiding alcohol at your desk to get through the day. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just nice, convenient, portable way to enjoy an interesting wine. And the price points are great. Uh, these cans typically range between 6 and $10. I think the... Uh, Underwood is right at about seven bucks and the also is right at about 10. So, you know, they're a really good bang for your buck. They're great for entertaining. They're great to, you know, take to a, a beach bonfire, to a picnic in the park. I know that's probably illegal and I shouldn't be advertising it, but whatever, it's summer, it's fine. Everyone's doing a pandemic rule. It's not illegal everywhere. That's, wait, what? Is it not illegal in New York? There are parks you can drink in. Well, there are some parks you can drink in here, and I think there are parks you can drink in in San Diego. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I'm just saying. I mean, I just... The pandemic's changed a lot of things, people. So yeah, we, we thought this was an appropriate height of summer choice, and we also thought it was an appropriate episode to have my mom join us, because she just loves a good novelty wine. So, mom... Tell us a little bit about your his your personal history with wine, and what wines you you know used to drink. Um, what you like to drink now? What, what's your jam? What's your? Oh my god! What's your wine love language? Okay, so well, you have to realize that back in the sixties. Girl, you were born in 55. If right? you're crushing wine cans in the sixties, <laughs> no. I got some questions. Well, actually, well, that's the thing. Back in the 70s, when I turned 21 and were able to buy, uh, actually, I don't think there were really any wines in cans. Everything you bought was like in a, you know, in bottles. Or? Boone's Farm. <laughs> strawberry Hill. Uh, strawberry Hill. Um, yeah, these were... What was that one that was Lancers? The, the clay. That yeah, was The Lancers. little mini amphora. Yeah. yeah. That was Lancers. I guess what I'm really asking is, our listeners all know that I'm like a giant wino. <laughs> Did I inherit that from you? What is your history with wine drinking? Well, I, I enjoy a good wine. I mean, but definitely a rosé. Okay. I we, love rosés. We like a rosé. Who yes. doesn't? Yes. And I also like, if in especially, well, but if somebody was serving like a dark wine, a red wine, which for me is a little bit heavier than, of course, I did the unforgivable thing that Andrea says I shouldn't. I used to make it into a wine cooler. Or it breaks wine my spritz. heart, you guys. Yes. Don't let her shame you, Rose. <laughs> Whose side are you on here? <laughs> Thank you, Anne. <laughs> you like some reds, though. Like We did oh, a little family right. Right, right, right. vacay up to Paso Robles yes. recently, um, and we're going back in August. Yes. Um, and mom's really jamming on the GSMs from yes, that region. Yeah. So, you know, she... But like I told Andrea that I it, this one particular vineyard, uh, Peachy Canyon, I love their GSM there. Although I've had other GSMs and they're a little bit different. So I think it just depends on the ratio of the types of grapes. Yeah, I poured her a really nice one from Valle de Guadalupe last weekend. Yeah, and she was see. like, mm. Mm. Yeah. 
So I think it depends on the way they mix it. I've taught her too much. Now she's like, I think the Grenache is a little bit much right. on this one. And I'm like, okay, Diva, <laughs> fine. Um, so what's your wine cooler recipe? <laughs> well, for me, it would be half of your glass is whatever wine you're drinking. If it's too heavy and then... Add- but uh, it's a red. It's a red. It's a yes. red. Okay. It's a red. And then add um, Sprite <laughs> or Diet 7-Up or... It just gets worse. <laughs> and ice. Lots of ice. Uh, is Okay, so so your red wine, mm-hmm. your Sprite and or Diet 7-Up. Or if you have a good tonic, you want to put in there. Oh, God. Lots of... water. just get worse. Lots of ice. Do you do a garnish? Do you get a little decoration up in there oh yeah you could add you know some sliced strawberries or some blueberries a slice of uh, lime or a slice of orange or even lemon so people whatever wine you have that you think is garbage whatever soft drink you just happen to have from your last party Party. that you threw three years ago before the (laughs) pandemic or whatever and whatever fruit is just lying around your house wasting away boom instant wine cooler (laughs) there you go we should have a segment called rose's recipes (laughs) i mean i'm gonna make this (laughs) oh god yay (laughs) you already did the wine ice cubes (laughs) there you go Maybe that's what I'll use. <laughs> there you go. Just pour, just pour the Sprite over the ice cubes and let it do its thing. There you go. See? I, why am I contributing to yeah. this delinquency? Well, like, I don't know. What am I doing? Idea. Oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get down to some business then about yes. canned wine. Um, mostly, I'm enthusiastic about this because now I get to sort of prove my mom wrong about canned wine not being around in the 70s. So, oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. She did <laughs> so, her homework. So, we're going to start today's episode with a little bit of a history lesson and talk about canned wine in general. Um, and I didn't know a lot of this. So, you know, I, ha- I had some stuff to say about the box wine through a little shade at the fact that I had never had wine in a box before we did the episode. Um, I do enjoy a canned wine upon occasion, though. And I also enjoy a canned cocktail. You know, they're fun. A lot of them are much better than you would expect them to be. But I didn't really know the history of canned wines going into this episode. So it was pretty interesting. The history of canned wine actually goes all the way back to the 1930s. So kind of post-prohibition, you had all these new alcohol distilleries and winemakers kind of hitting on the scene because everyone was no fun intended thirsty uh so canned wine experiments really parallel with the introduction of the first beer cans in the mid-30s in 1935 and campa brand california muscatel from a campa winery in lodi california was one of the first wineries um to feature wines that appeared in cans and these remember this is the 30s so these cans were flat steel top cans that required an opener like those old timey not like the tab that we have today but like they kind of poke a little triangle into them they're often referred to as a church key which i think is really funny sorry so that was one of the first kind of major 
uh, canned wines. And then they were followed by Vintage California Muscatel, Port Sherry and Tanquay, which was canned in Elk Grove, California. They debuted their canned wines in 1936. And then about the same time, Bear Creek Vineyards, which was also in Lodi. Um, and just sidebar, Lodi continues to be a really experimental area of California wines. So they're doing kind of cool shit all the time up there um, in the Central Coast. And so you had Bear Creek doing theirs, and they had four canned wines. They had a Muscatel, an Angelica, a Port, and a Sherry. And then Roma Wine Company, also located in Lodi, came out with their own Muscatel. Now, what's interesting to note about all of these early canned wines is they were all fortified wines. So they contained about 20% alcohol by volume, which is a big, you know, these are closer to like your dessert wines, fortified wines have that deep, rich, heavy alcohol content. And because they hadn't really worked out the kinks with the process, many of these wines were also inherently unstable. And at the time, manufacturers and vintners blamed the cans for the spoiling of the wine. And it was, you know, it was sort of a novelty in the mid-30s, again, coming out of the Prohibition era in really kind of a celebratory sense. A lot of these canned wines were used as like promotional items and kind of gimmicks for the manufacturers and the wineries. And so once it realized that there were some kinks in the process. You didn't really see a lot of canned wines emerging until almost 20 years later. In 1959, there is the invention of kind of less corrosive, rust-free aluminum cans that replaces the steel, but things still didn't get much better. And then early wine coolers were in these cans too. Mm. Um, And one of the major brands was called, I thought of you, Anne, was called Ready Shot from Denver. (laughs) So that happens, but still doesn't really catch on, right? They work out some of the kinks, but still like, eh, not the preferred method. But what we call the first golden era of American canned wine really arrives at the end of the 70s. In Kernan, California's Villa Bianchi Winery, which is now known as Bianchi Winery and is located in Paso Robles, which again, I did not know, so this may, they, I'm going to put them on my list for my next trip out there. Uh, they really found success with a 12-ounce light red and light white wine cooler in 1979. Three years later, they launched a series of additional canned wines, a California Chablis, a Burgundy, and a Rosé. And they were the first producer to really gain uh, national distribution. So they were able to distribute their canned wine products to about 45 different states. So they, you know, that's definitely a success story. But it's another almost 20 years before there's real gains in the canned wine industry. So in 1996, Australian wine producer Brokas decided to take on the challenge 
of solving the can wine problem. Figuring that with all the new technology and advances in winemaking, they could figure this out. So they actually worked for five years in their research and development department. Um, and by the early 2000s, they had sort of found the secret formula. So their process, which is known as VinSafe, um, has been patented globally. And unlike the previous attempts to can wine, which primarily focus on the wine itself, the VinSafe process really looks at that approach much more holistically. And so there are three distinct elements that they focus on, uh, the wine itself, the can, and it's lining. So anything that's going to touch that alcohol and that beverage in the can, and then the filling process. So, you know, we've talked about like the ancestral, both the ancestral method and the champagne methods in terms of sparkling wines, right? And so the filling process is different for both of those. This is a similar issue where when you have a can, it's a different type of vessel. You really have to think about how you're going to fill that vessel in a way that's going to be most sustainable for the wine. And it was really the Japanese that kind of turned the industry around. They were Japan was one of the first markets to really embrace the canned wine phenomenon and really led that charge of the adoption of canned wine products from about 2005 and on. And, you know, part of it is, you know, the lack of a preconceived notion of how wine should be packaged and also a Japanese familiarity with premium beverages in aluminum cans, such as coffees, high-end juices, teas, things like that. You know, they're really packaged for kind of that easy consumption and to have a little bit of luxury on the go. In addition to that, at that time, Asia really wasn't a traditional wine market. Um, so you have this whole emergent new generation of consumers that are craving, you know, quality wines, they're convenient, that they're in small format packaging, and it just became a really accessible way to import those products to Asia. And so they kind of drove that force in terms of consumption of the market. And for those of you who want to see kind of the the early canned wines and some of the cool stuff that um, we've talked about on this timeline, there's a really awesome website and we'll post it with the episode, but it's called the visual history of canned wine. And it's at cannedwinecompetition.com slash history. So you can check those pictures out there. They're super gnarly. It was pretty great. <laughs> so we'll post that there. Um, and let's kind of talk about now canned wine in its current iteration. So as we mentioned in the introduction, canned wine has become incredibly popular. Uh, a recent article in Wine Spectator magazine said, and I quote, canned wine continues to be one of the most rapidly growing wine categories in the United States. Volume sales in Nielsen track channels reach 253 million in the 52 weeks ending March 20th, 2021, up 62%, excuse me, over the previous 12 months. Now, a lot of this probably does have to do with the state of the pandemic, right? I know 
I had a number of, you know, yard hangs with friends over the course of 2020 and early 2021, where if I was making cocktails, for example, I would package them in individual mason jars and everyone would have their own like mini cocktail and then a glass and ice or whatever. Or if we were doing wine, especially early on, the canned wine was great because you could just put it in with their little like picnic set or whatever individual like wrapped goodie you were having to eat and then everyone was taken care of. You didn't have to worry about, you know, opening up a bottle, pouring it out a bunch, you know, having a bunch of people breathe all over it or any of that. And so there's, they were super convenient. So part of that is definitely the desire to have individual wine products, right? But I think the reality is, is that the other part of it is we're starting to see a lot of heavy players in the wine industry make really exceptional canned wines at a price point that allows you to kind of sample different things, different varietals, um, and really kind of have a little bit of fun with your wine tasting game. Uh, so according to MarketWatch, which is a sister publication of Wine Spectator, more wineries are getting into the game of canned wine with a much broader range of wine varietals. So there are now at least 580 wineries offering more than 1,400 canned wines, which is a huge amount. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I wanna try them all, but it's a huge amount. And we picked the rosés today because most canned wine sales are in the white and rosé sectors. Alcohol subscription service Drizzly recently reported that rosé accounts for nearly 32% of sales because every basic bitch, including this one, loves rosé, with sparkling and white wines accounting for 45% and red wines just at 6%. Uh, And quite honestly, you know, when I'm poking around a wine shop or a wine aisle, the canned wines that I see are predominantly rosés, whites, sparklings. Uh, I, I, I can count maybe three or four times I've seen red wines canned. And so um, that tracks with my limited experience here. But, you know, again, the pros are these wines are easily accessible. I think they're experimental and kind of these winemakers are able to do sort of exciting new things in this new medium. Uh, They're portable, so they're great for for travel or for outings. They're pandemic friendly and they're eco friendly, which is really nice. So you have minimal waste. The aluminum's recyclable. It just, it makes for a really different experience. You don't have the cork, you know, that does put a strain on the environment. Um, and we're eventually going to run out of it anyways. <laughs> so uh, this does offer another kind of eco-friendly alternative. So yeah, that's the spiel on the history of canned wine, which honestly is pretty cool. I have to say, I'm impressed. I was definitely one of those people who got uh, more into canned wines, like, in the in the pandemic it was just a really convenient way and sort of like nice to have something where you know i could have a drink after work but didn't need to open a whole bottle right right yeah and i think it's the same appeal like with the box too that you can store in the fridge for several weeks these are also a great option if you live with someone who isn't a wine drinker on the regular, you know, and doesn't want to split the bottle with you. You don't want to spend a couple hundred bucks on a Corvain to, to deal with that nonsense. And yeah, sometimes you just want a glass or a glass and a half and then to go crawl into bed at 8 p.m. So yeah, I respect it. I respect it. 
<laughs> so, Anne, do you want to tell us about your selection? So I picked the Underwood wine, the Underwood Rosé Bubbles, because I really, this is um, probably the first canned wine that I had, or this brand is the first canned wine that I had. Uh, and I just really enjoyed the taste and the experience. And um, I actually started with their Riesling Rattler, which is a really cool can. It's got like a very, you would laugh at me, Dre. It's got a real pattern on it. And there's like a leopard on the side of the can. So it's really fun. Um, but then I started trying their... I do like that. Then I started trying their other stuff. And I really like their regular The Bubbles. And I like their Rosé Bubbles a lot. So I wanted to have you try it out with me um, and share it with Rose. So this wine is a mix of um, 88% Pinot Noir, 10% Pinot Gris, and 2% Chardonnay from the Willamette Valley in Oregon and also the Applegate Valley. The ABV is about 11%, which I feel like is relatively average for us. And they said on their website that a can is about the equivalent of half a bottle, which I don't know that I believe, but I guess just prepare yourself. What? So so it, okay, it's 375 milliliters. The standard bottle is 750. So fuck, uh, fuck me, I guess a so. A bottle just feels so, so much bigger. Of, right. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, I guess that explains a lot about my <laughs> drinking habit. You know what, we can talk about it later. Right. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Fine. <laughs> so Union Wine Company, um, which makes Underwood wines, is based in Tulatine, Oregon, which is just outside of Portland. Tulatine is the unceded ancestral home of the Atfaladi band um, of Kalapuya Native Americans. And today the Kalapuya are part of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde Community of Oregon, which is a federally recognized tribe that includes over 30 tribes and bands from Western Oregon, Northern California, and South e Southwest Washington. Um, and as Drea and I have talked about before, especially in our colonialism episode, it's really important to me that as we talk about where wines are from and we talk about the connections to the land Land, that we acknowledge the traditional and ancestral keepers of the land, um, which in this case is the Atfalati. Um, so this region is located in the northern part of the Willamette Valley region, which even I know is known for its wine. But all of Oregon has really become kind of a popular place for wine. So popular that even I know about it. And some of what I read said that they began kind of experimenting with fine wine grape varietals uh, just about 50 years ago. And their wine is really recognized for its exceptional quality by wine lovers and experts. Um, and many of the wineries in their state are small scale family run wineries that really focus on the quality and sustainability. Some of the grapes that are pretty commonly grown in Oregon are the Pinot Noir and the Chardonnay, uh, both of which are represented here. And Primarily, it's because those cool climate grapes um, do well in kind of the very cold, typically cold, not so much this summer, region of, of the Northwest. And generally, most of the grapes in, for Oregon wine are grown about 60 miles inland from the Pacific coast, and they've got sort of two protecting mountain ranges, um, the Cascades and the Coast Range, uh, which provide some protection from coastal winds and rain and help keep temperatures in that moderate rain. 
So I didn't go as in-depth as Drea usually does on it, but I feel like that was pretty good for the, the wine newbie. No, yeah. I love it. I love it. And, you know, it's really similar to kind of the Central Coast, like that terroir that we've been talking about in a couple recent episodes. Um, I, as you were talking about the region, I was like, oh, we need to, like, get on our shit and do an Oregon wine. So, yeah, we. Yeah. I'll put that do on it. the list. Well, and that's kind of that kind of ties into wh- why Union Wine Company was started. So Union Wine Company is the kind of parent company that makes Underwood brands, and they have a couple of other brands as well. It was founded in 2005, so it's pretty young, even for Oregon wineries. Um, and it was founded by a guy named Ryan Harms. And one of the things that he talked about in a few places on their website and in some videos that they had posted was that he had gotten into winemaking and was working for some pretty reputable wineries in in the Oregon area. But when his family or friends would want to support those wineries, they were out of their price point. And so he really cared about um, creating wines that had a high quality and really represented Oregon, but also were affordable and accessible for everyone. Um, so I just really appreciated that. And I think it's something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is how do we make, you know, enjoying wine a more accessible reality, which I think Underwood and Canned Wines help do. Um So they actually started, so they started in 2005 and they didn't start making canned wines until 2013. Before that, they were just making wine in bottles and they still do. So if you like this wine, but you can't see yourself drinking out of a can for the rest of your life, you can go ahead and get a bottle. But they really focused on, you know, to make it affordable, what they focused on was how do we make the the process of making wine more efficient um, rather than, you know, decreasing the quality of the wine that they were using. So in a lot of the the information that they had on their websites or the videos that they posted, it was all about sort of like, how can we streamline this? How can we use, take cost-effective cuts where we can and still really focus on the the qualities that we think make a really great wine? Um, So that was really exciting and interesting to me. This is the Rosé Bubbles, as the name implies, is a sparkling wine. Um, They also have a rosé that is non-sparkling if you are that way. (laughs) I think we all know my preference. Um, But it is a, it is a carbonated wine. So it's not naturally sparkling. I think Um, I, again, Drea, you may have to tell me more about the winemaking process, but on the can and on their website information, they, they definitely called it a carbonated wine as opposed to like a sparkling wine, which I just thought was interesting. Oh, so this is actually really similar to the wine we drank during our last episode from Vino Verde. So it doesn't have, when you look at it, and now we're, now we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but when you look at it, uh, this wine, like the, the Vino Verde, the Sol Real that we had last episode, does not have your traditional bubble trail that comes up from the bottom that you see in a lot of sparkling wines that are done in um, both the the champagne method and the tank method. It's much softer in terms of its effervescence, like the Vino Verde. And that's because if you remember, that wine from last episode is also artificially um, carbonated. So it during, in this case, it would be the canning process, they inject the wine with CO2. Um, to give it that effervescence, and that doesn't that doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it weird. Um, but it's just kind of a uh, 
preservation agent that they use that results in this effervescent effect in the water. And you know I love me some effervescence. I know. It's really it's really our also love some language. early some early two thousands evanescence as well. Uh, so so yeah, so now that we've started sort of talking about what's in the glass, what are you seeing? Like you said, I think you said it earlier, but it is it is a pink pink. It is real pink. It is I mean we it's are talking <laughs> We are talking like my little pony, strawberry shortcake fantasy cotton candy extravaganza realness yeah like it, it it actually reminds me of um one of the queens from the last season of rupaul's drag race Ro- her name was rose oh, and yeah she so always dressed in this shade and she had hair oh color yeah she had a wig this color and she was fantastic but anyways it reminds me of that so yeah it is very pink i as you were talking i was looking at the can and i love that their hashtag is pinkies down i think that's adorable uh so yeah this is definitely not a pretentious wine it is really like you pour it out and it looks just really fun and that that effervescence does die off a little bit though while it's in the glass so keep that in mind i i would probably honestly if i wasn't doing this for you know all of you loyal listeners i would keep it in the can and just drink it out of that right all right and so what i know and and full disclosure this is my first time having um this particular underwood wine um but i know Anne, this is a favorite of yours so as (laughs) my mom just fucking chugs away over there it's delicious Save some for when I ask you a smart oh. question. Jesus. Um, Anne, tell us about the nose on the So line. it could be, again, sort of half nose, half eyes situation here. But I'm getting some real, like, pink lemonade vibes. Like, I'm getting some citrus, some lemonade on the nose. It's It feels very fresh. How about you, Mom? What are you getting on the nose? What does it smell like? It smells delicious. Oh, wow. Very crisp. I actually want to put a giant strawberry in this. Oh, there's some in the fridge. How about it, girl? She belongs to a CSA for a reason. It's just really refreshing. It's good. It's 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 actually delicious. I really like this. I'm getting Meyer lemon, some, yeah. some lime zest, um, definitely strawberry. Yes. A little bit of like herbal notes too, like some sweet basil maybe. It is a very like clean, crisp wine though. Yes. For sure. I'm going to go get some right now. Some more. If you <laughs> break the equipment again. <laughs> no. Wait, also, we drank it all. It's gone. I know. That's why I said I need to go get some. Oh, you're going to go buy to like some. baby Target yeah, and go buy go. some. Okay. Well. Right after we finish. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's a ringing endorsement. I want to drink this with mac and cheese. Okay. So you, you think it's so delicious. Um, what do you, what flavor notes are you getting? What are you tasting? If you says it, say it tastes pink, I swear I'm throwing you out. <laughs> it's, I, I can, strawberries. Mm-hmm. It's just a mouthful of deliciousness. A mouthful of deliciousness. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and how about you? The citrus you definitely getting? carries through from the nose. Um, I'm getting a little bit of that, like, Mm-hmm. fun pucker that I like, which is like a little bit of the citrus and a little bit of the effervescence, I think, mixed together. Um, the bubbles do linger. If you hold it on your tongue, you do get some of that, that those bubbles, which is nice. That pop rock mm-hmm. flavor. <laughs> what are those cherries called? The ones that are light red and yellow? 
Are those Rainier cherries? What are those? Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say maraschino cherries, and I no. was like, oh, that's not what she means. She no. means real cherries. Yeah, I mean real cherries. <laughs> They're like a yellowish red. The yellow, the yellow and red ones. Yeah, it's it's giving me some of those vibes. Those are Rainier cherries. Are they Rainier cherries? I think so. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna trust both of you. But I mean, bottom line, I think it's a solid summer sipper. It's a low ABV at 11. percent It's an easy drinking rosé. Yes. You know, I know we've used the term porch pounder before. I'm gonna just mix it up. I'm gonna call this one a picnic. Yeah, it's pounder. perfect to stick in your picnic basket, take to the beach with you, put in a cooler. When we've gone camping before, this is definitely a wine that I have taken camping and have really enjoyed. And just so our listeners know, Anne does like real camping. Like there's, there's, right, there's a fire. Shed. But fire. there's also fire. canned wine and usually canned coffee because I'm not going to go without. Yeah, no, that's completely uncivilized. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I think this first one has been a success. <clears throat> yes. Very true. Thank you, Anne, for sharing. This what one. about what you brought for us? This can was kind of a surprise, I'll have to admit, but I went to a local uh, wine shop in my area that has a lot of great natural organic wines and decided to try something a little bit on, on that side of the spectrum. So the can that I chose was Osho, uh, not asshole, just to be clear, Osho. <laughs> this is the joke Drea was so proud of herself for earlier. Did you get it? My mom was like, earlier when I was like, look, she's like, asshole. I was like, no, asshole. And also, just so we all know what the reference is. We're going to let future Drea tell you what an also is. Also is actually a really cool name for this wine. Um, and really clever since it comes in a can. So an also is actually a... Um, type of corkscrew and what it is is there's two long metal rods uh really thin almost like little metal slats on the top of this this gadget and you stick the metal slots in on either side of your cork and you twist and you pull and that's how you extract the cork so you won't get that typical hole that the corkscrew leaves in the center because you're pulling it out from the outside so you're slipping the metal prongs between the glass of the the neck on the bottle and the cork and then you're extracting um, so I just think that's a really clever name for a wine that actually comes in a can and uh, kind of is a little tongue-in-cheek and sort of you know has a sense of humor who doesn't like a wine with a sense of humor uh, and what's in this can is their uh, sparkling Grenache. So the alcohol content on this one is a little bit higher. The ABV is 12.5%, but the can is also a little bit smaller. Small. So this is not a half bottle size can. <laughs> Where the Underwood was 375 milliliters, this one is only 250 milliliters. So this is, you know, a very healthy glass or two like respectable pours right and this rosé comes from navarra in spain by way of colorado so let's talk i mean i kind of was like oh it's like Anne, and i love it so much so uh also was founded in colorado 
in 2018 by Carrie Chiapeda, Carlos Lopez, and Dustin Chiapeda. And so it's produced in Navarra, Spain from Carlos's family vineyards. And then each can starts with the cultivation of those vines there. Then they import the wines and, you know, the, the company is based in Colorado. Carlos Lopez, his passion for winemaking really began in walking the vineyards uh, vines with his father. So he comes from a winemaking under, uh, family and he really understands the importance of a healthy vineyard and a healthy vineyard ecosystem, which is really important in Spanish winemaking processes and one of the reasons um, why I love them so much. And so after attending uh, a high school that really offered studies in viticulture and winemaking. He intent he attended a specialty enology school, I think in France. And he's now based in New York City. So Anne, you could be friends with him. And he manages a wine import company. um, But he still commutes to Spain every year to oversee the harvest. So you know, he's got his foot in kind of the two worlds here. And I will say I have personally never seen a canned wine in Spain. So I don't know if it's like a thing there, but I'm interested to find out. And Carrie is really interesting. She is a full-time ICU nurse and loves rosé. She's an avid rosé aficionado and uh, obviously she is a healthcare hero. And so while she's not your typical wine industry veteran, um, she knows what she likes and she appreciates a well-crafted wine. And so she, you know, was very invested in helping make this company work and loves the fact that these wines are accessible in a can. Dustin is a veteran of the wine industry who grew up scrubbing dishes in his family's restaurants. But for the past 13 years, he worked with fine dining establishments, uh, wine distributors, and um, he worked as a national importer. So from these experiences, he really not only got to discover great wines, but learned a lot about small production and family-owned and operated wineries. So for him, that's been a huge draw. And there's a great quote from Carlos that's on their website that I wanted to share because I really think it summarizes um, the brand and their winemaking processes. He says, we pay meticulous attention to each stage of the process. We even invested in our own state-of-the-art canning line to capture the freshness of the vineyard. So for them, it's really about how do we capture all of the aspects of this place and make it still work with this packaging. Um, And I think that that's incredibly important. And we saw that with the Underwood too, right? Really thinking about how to supply really well-crafted wines um, in a different way. And and one of the other things I really like about also is it is 100% organically farmed and estate produced, hand harvested. They don't use herbicides. They don't use pesticides. They are very committed to organic and sustainable winemaking processes. And so to ensure the quality of the wine, they perch the Lopez family actually purchased a canning machine from Boulder, Colorado and shipped it to Navarra. 
um, to allow them to can the wines at the estate. So, you know, they oversee that process from start to finish, and then the distribution is here in Colorado. So that's uh, a little bit about Oso and their wines. I feel like we definitely have to take a trip next time we're in Spain to Navarra to see what's going on. I'm into it. I'm into it. Let's do it. (laughs) And do you have your can handy? Let me just pop it open. Pop. Oh, it's a good sound. So... At first glance, this wine looks darker in my glass than the Underwood. Would you agree? So, and that's due to the varietal. So this is a 100% Grenache Mm. Rosé. And Grenache is, you know, a varietal that you see both Spain and here in the States. And what I love about it is it it has a really diverse profile when it comes to rosés. So I've had... Grenache rosés that are on the lighter side and then on, are on a much darker pink, even darker than what we're seeing in the glass here. And so this is a pretty, like, I would say almost like salmon pink color. Like, it's pretty deep. Um, but like the bubbles. I've seen some that are even from, that are made from Grenache that are even more on, like, the really light, like, cherry or strawberry side. Um, in terms of color profile. Mm-hmm. And so, again, all of that has to do with the, the skin contact and how long the skins are, you know, just chilling out and doing their thing and adding color um, by to that wine. Mom, what do you think of the color compared to the Underwood? Yeah, it's not really like a pink pink, but it's it's a, a, a little bit darker. It's got some color. amber highlights, maybe. Yeah. I okay. like the bubbles. <laughs> I do think there are slightly more bubbles in yeah. this one. Oh, interesting. I was going to say the opposite. I wonder if it is our glasses. Oh, oh maybe. <laughs> are you using a fucking flute? No, I am using a regular tasting All glass. Right, just checking. Just checking. <laughs> maybe I should switch. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, mom's already taken a swig. Yeah. So why don't we ask her what she thinks of the taste? Um, or the note, could we start with the nose maybe? Did you at least have the yeah. decency to smell it first? <laughs> what do you got? What do you got over there? To me, this has a little bit, not a strawberry taste, but a little bit more tart, like cherry. Okay. We're going straight to the tasting. All right. I see. And do, do what are you getting on the nose, girl? Talk to me. I'm definitely getting, I'm definitely also getting strawberry on the nose. I'm yeah. really strong. Like I'm, I have visions of strawberry shortcake, the cartoon yeah, pl- it, playing in my head. It's actually almost a, a sweet nose too. And so I'm going to say there's like some floral edges to it. Like maybe a little bit of gardenia. What was the one from last episode? Laurel flower. <laughs> I think it might've been gardenia. Yeah, definitely strawberry those floral notes got some gardenia a little bit of rose to be honest i was gonna say the same thing look at us <laughs> we're so in sync this episode thank you guys you're ladies. it's because you're here I know. this is really refreshing too uh-oh <laughs> i need to get both <laughs> oh they like to at close so there you I go know. okay we've done the nose mom's glass is almost gone let me just refill her she's really just living her best life uh, what can i say what can i when say when you said porch pounder she took you seriously she did 
girl. She ain't even gonna go out on the porch. She's like, great, this couch works just fine. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so taste-wise. Okay, you said tart I, cherry. I said more of a tart cherry, yeah. Right, Anne, what do you got for us? Yeah, I agree. The The nose is definitely much sweeter than the taste. I think right. the taste mm -hmm. is more... I don't know. I do get a little bit more citrus in the taste, but also just it's it feels more complex. Like the nose is almost overpoweringly sweet compared to like the flavor, which is actually taste. much more pleasant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the nose is, is sweet. I think it's that floral background and bouquet, but uh, the taste is surprisingly fantastic i love like this is this rosé is absolutely my jam which none of us should really be surprised because it's a spanish rosé and we mm. all know that i'm obsessed Con but España. see <laughs> me more but um it's it's got a really nice mineral background like it's got, i taste notes of grapefruit and thyme and watermelon and a little bit of of tart cherry not sweet cherry right. um like the underwood it's definitely you know a much more kind of herbal focus rather than fruit forward wine i think it's really delicious it's also really making me want to go be in spain right now so <laughs> And we've reached the portion of the episode where I lie down on the floor and cry. Oh. <laughs> and call for my mommy. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there. Oh, come on. Let's be honest with everyone. You're going to be like, bitch, get up off the floor. What are you doing? <laughs> Pull yourself up. together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think these are both winners in their own right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely, you can, it's really nice. This is the first time we've compared wine so directly. It's really nice to be able to to do that comparison. What would you say, Andrea, if you were going to recommend either of these wines for different people, what, how would you describe, like, if you're looking for this, go with the Asso. If you're looking for this, go with the Underwood. Okay, I think if you are looking for, like, if you're looking for a crowd pleaser, like if you're looking for something that's going to keep everyone in a group of mixed company happy and you're doing like a beach barbecue or something, um, the Underwood is yes. absolutely the way to go. Yep. It's easy. It's approachable. The cans are large enough that people can share. Yeah, it's shareable if people don't want like a full half bottle mm -hmm. of wine, apparently. If you are doing a little bit more of an intimate mm -hmm. situation, though, with kind of like seasoned winos, I would say that also is, awesome. is your bet because it's it's different enough and it, it's just going to it's going to generate discussion. It's going to, you know, make your tongue slap your brain a little bit because of the difference between the bouquet and the the taste. And so I would say, you know, one is like, go for it, have a great time, throw a pool party. The other one is maybe a little bit more of a refined type thing. I think that makes total sense. And I think that actually kind of explains like how both of us picked the wines that we picked. <laughs> I just do, you know, like, I think, I think the Underwood, one of the reasons I like it is like, it is so approachable. I mean, the first time I drank one of their other wines, I was in Brooklyn Bridge Park, you know, sitting on the grass, like not really paying attention to the wine, but it was still like, oh, this is a nice addition to this experience. Whereas the also really, it almost asks you to pay attention to it. Like you want yeah. to sort of understand it. 
it commands your attention. Absolutely. I think that that's a really good way to put it. Um, where both of you are saying that, yeah, it does certainly command your attention and it makes you think about it, oops, <laughs> a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you just want to like have a good time and drink wine to drink wine, the Underwood is also like the price point of the Underwood, right? It's like seven oh, bucks great. essentially for a half bottle. Right. Um, you're really getting a solid bang for your buck. The also is, again, closer to $10. You're getting less wine, but it's definitely more of a wine drinker's wine. So if you're, you and you can still take it to the picnic though. I think that's what's great about it. But if you're going on a picnic with, you know, someone who just happens to be a higher end wino, this is a great option for you. I would still fully drink this in the park, at the beach, by the pool, on my deck, in my office, between conference calls, whatever, you know, it's just, it's, it's a good one. On conference calls. <laughs> on conference calls. Right. I saw this great meme the other day that was like, if you see my lemonade rim with salt, mind your business. Yeah, same, mind your business. So while you're hanging out on the porch, in the park, whatever, what are you pairing with either of these wines? And you can answer for either. I They're a little different. Yeah. So, okay. So, mom, our pairings, we do multiples. We do food. We do, like, a situation. I feel like we've done that one already, though. Like, we're drinking right. these wines outside, Sorry. like, garbage people in the summer. It's fine. Let's and do we do food. books. We do music. Oh, you want to do do food first? Yes. Okay. So, what do you, what do you want to eat with these okay. wines? Okay. So, with the Underwood. Oh, she's thought about this, everyone. Yes. I, I would this. say a good burger. Any way you want it. Good burger. But with the, also, I would do, like, a really nice charcuterie board. Oh, like a picnic shark? Yes. Ooh, like our friends from Small Good Cheese Providers in La Jolla, who we love, do their cute little miniature oh, cheese boards exactly. and picnic packs. Yeah, yes. I would love that. Hey, Small Goods, we love you. Yes. Yeah, a charcuterie, like a, yeah, a picnic charcuterie would be, be great. The other thing that I think would go exceptionally well with both of these cans is pizza. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just like... You know, I would pizza. do like a, a spicier pizza for the Underwood to balance out that like sweetness a little bit. And then for the Oso, I would do maybe something that had like a pesto or a Blanco that didn't have a full, um, you know, red sauce. Right. So that they're not really competing with each okay. other. But yeah, I, I would love to do pizza with both of both these. Of and I also just think like pizza's fun it's easy it's delicious everybody likes it and it kind of goes you know and it's With both wines. yeah it's informal it's yeah. it's chill it's like we're hanging out i would say like a great evening in the summertime would be like an outdoor movie with these cans pizza and popcorn done so actually popcorn is what came to mind for me with the underwood i thought of the trader joe's herbs Ooh. popcorn it feels like just like a snacking kind of wine. Like I just want to uh, like be oh. on the couch, pop on some TV, drink this wine, eat the entire bag of popcorn. Done. Great moment. That's a dream. That's, That's a dream. Also, everyone should know that Anne and I are both fucking obsessed with that Trader Joe's <laughs> herb popcorn. It is so damn good. It's so good. And then with the Asso, I'm I'm I think I'm looking for a little bit more. Like I'm imagining less of a snack and more of like, yeah, let me like 
eat something real, you know, maybe not for, for the vegan, not a charcuterie board, but maybe like a, a really nice fruit salad or even just something that like it, it feels a little more like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to eat and pay attention to what I'm doing, even though it's still going to be like you both said, super casual. Right. A grilled like like grilled vegetables, just like drizzled mm. with olive oil and seasoning salt would be amazing with this, too. Yep. With the awesome. Yep. And I say grilled because then you're going to get like that smoke a little bit. That's going to complement the the minerality in this wine really nicely. Ooh, or, or a cauliflower burger. A cauliflower burger? What the fuck is that? <laughs> burger made Sorry. out of cauliflower. Like a patty or something to grill it. Okay. Good. Sure. Right? Cauliflower steak. Barbecue. Maybe. <laughs> love it. Love it. They do these whole roasted cauliflower heads out here. That would be delightful. Get some good herbs and spices going on the oh. out, sort of make a crust. Right. Um, what, are, what are we reading? I mean, I know what Anne's reading. I know what Anne's been reading all summer. <laughs> so, Anne, what are we reading? I mean, I'm just going to say my intro was pretty right for the Underwood. Maybe not as much for the Asso, but reading some smutty romance with this rosé, canned rosé sitting on, you know, my rooftop deck. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's the perfect afternoon. What are you reading, Mom? Especially because I'm always trying to get you to read more. What are you reading? (laughs) Oh, and I've got Mom into all of my Disney novelization books. (laughs) Yes, but I'm having a really hard time with the the evil... Uh, She's reading one about Maleficent right now. It's so great. And I finished the one on Lady Tremaine. But I'm not really happy with them. But I would I would drink either one of these with those. Because nice. they're fun. They're light and yes. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, good fun book. I actually just read a really... It was disturbing, but also really good. Kind of like neo-noir that centered around a gay couple in New York and the underworld of the Hamptons. And it's called Yes, Daddy. And it was it was a delightful, guilty pleasure. And so I would definitely drink these rosés and read that. You know, maybe have a can before you start reading. <laughs> All right, what are we listening to? What are we listening to, everyone? What's our summer jam? What's our summer playlist for these wines? Happy by Pharrell. That's your summer playlist, like, for everything. Yes, but I love it. It makes me happy. There is this guitarist from Brazil called Baden-Powell, like Lord Baden-Powell, the founder of the Boy Scouts. His dad was a big, big scouting fan, apparently. But... Not the path that Baden-Powell went down on. He he became sort of this um, classical guitarist and this jazz guitarist. And his stuff is just fun and light and really lovely. And I think it would I think it would um, be really nice with the Asso. It's kind of the same thing where like you don't have to totally pay attention, but there are some really interesting things happening. I like that. I would similarly. Um, or related, I would say, I've really been enjoying a like mambo, classic mambo station on Spotify. And so I feel like that's a fun station to put on during like a cocktail hour when the sun's still out in the summertime and you're just sort of, you know, sitting out and enjoying the weather and company. So I would, I would turn to the classics for some mambo fun. 
I wouldn't be mad about some bossa nova either. There you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? I feel like they they jive with both of these pretty well. All right. So who are we drinking with? Who's our celebrity friend who we're inviting to this bossa nova rosé pizza party? I mean, I feel like the drag queen rosé has to make an appearance. Right? Rosé. <laughs> girl, hit us up. We love you. <laughs> I would invite, like, I would invite her. I would invite Valentina. Um, since I just quoted her the other day when someone was like, oh, you're still wearing a mask indoors. And I was like, I'd prefer to keep it on. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Let's, I mean, and you. Re- yeah, I actually think this might be a drag picnic. Uh, uh. That is my literal dream. And you were just at a drag brunch. Just at a drag brunch, just at a great burlesque show in Philly. Yeah, I could definitely see um, hanging out in Central Park or Balboa Park and just shocking the tourists. I want that. I want that for my life. Maybe then they'll go the fuck home. All right. So um, now that we've given you all you need to know about these two lovely canned wines, uh, where can you get them? So Underwood is readily available at Target, at grocery stores, in the wine aisle. They are very, very popular. So you can find them almost anywhere. Also, it's a little harder to find, but any kind of wine shop, especially if they have a natural wine section or they specialize in natural wines, they're going to have it. I've seen this pop up in a number of shops um, just in the San Diego area alone. And the thing to remember is canned wines are abound in abundance. Um, They're real popular with the summer wino crowd. So get after that. Grab some buddies, go on a picnic, grab a few drag queens, do some boging in the park, and live your best life. Very true. And remember, if you don't like what you're drinking, the nice thing about canned wines is it's cheap enough to just get a different one. So uh, hopefully you'll try both of these. But if you don't like either of our selections, you know, try something else. Explore the wine aisle. The world is your oyster. And if you find another canned wine that you really like and you think that we should be drinking, let us know about it. Um, follow us or slide into those DMs on Instagram. We are at two girls in a great pod. That's two T W O girls in a great pod. Uh, you can tweet at us at two girls and a grape. That's the number two because Twitter's got to be difficult. Girls and a grape. Or you can email us at two girls and a grape pod, just like our Instagram at gmail.com. And definitely make sure to follow us on one of those sites to find out what our next bottle will be. I can reveal that we have an orange wine scheduled, but if you want to get the specific bottle with us and drink along, make sure that you are looking out for us, especially on Instagram. Um, And also, if you are enjoying this podcast, please give it a like, subscribe, rate, review. All of those things help us to reach a wider audience and tell more people about uh, the great wines that we're drinking and what you could be drinking them with. Yeah. Tell us we're funny. Tell us we're pretty. We accept (laughs) all compliments. Thank you. Rose, it was such a pleasure to get to talk to you today. It has been way too long, my friend. I know. Miss seeing your smiling face, and hope we see you soon. Girl, we're already plotting your triumphant return to Bally High. Woo! (laughs)
Oh yes, hopefully it's September, yay. All right, well, Mom, thank you for joining us for today's episode. You've been a lovely guest and you did not make out with the mic, so you're, you've done great here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the wines we have selected in your Rose Rosé honor. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Anne. I enjoyed the, your selection, Andrea. I enjoyed yours also, but thank you both for having me here as, as a guest. For she's, this she's so good. She's like, I can't pick a favorite. I love you both equally. <laughs> I do. <laughs> You a little bit more. (laughs) And we will give all of you an update on our mother-daughter wine retreat. So follow along for more adventures. And yeah, we'll see you at next episode. Salud. Salud. Salud.